And there's so much power in, in, in this book, and it's the book of Psalms. And some of you have uh, maybe memorized some of the Psalms. Maybe some of you have heard uh, a lot of the Psalms be preached on. There's a lot of famous ones that we hear, um, whether they be at funerals or certain events. Um, and then there's a lot of Psalms that we just, we don't know a whole lot about because um, we don't study them a lot. So we're going to pick the, a few that we don't know a whole lot about and just try to make sense of them the best we can. And today, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 1, but I wanted to just give a couple prayer requests um, before we do that. So you can go to Psalm 1, and then, and then I want to do a prayer here at the front end. Um, one, um, the, the baby situation is we had a breached baby, and then it like turned around and went normal and then went back breached again. And so that's where it's at now. And just uh, over the coming days, because uh, we'll probably be going to the hospital very, very soon, uh, just be praying for a healthy baby and for Nat. Like you ladies, um, I only see one of them, uh, her, uh, deal with the pregnancy. And there would be literally no kids in the world if it was us men, just to face it. It had been one and done, and we would have been done, but it's so strong, so tough. So pray for her over the coming uh, days. Uh, and then another one that I want to mention, um, some of you know the names uh, Kim and George Janke and then their daughter Madison. Um, I sent out a prayer request yesterday, a week ago. Madison's uh, either going to be a junior or senior, I'm not sure, at Centerville High School next year. Uh, but she's a high schooler there. And uh, they've been attending here for a short period of time. And Madison just got sick and wasn't sure what it was and then went to the hospital and um, ended up being E. coli, which then caused a uh, uh, a, co- a colon um, virus to happen, and she got really s- even more sick, and then sh- it went to like her kidney started, stopped into work, and uh, she, so she's on kidney dialysis at Children's Hospital. Um, last week was great, and now she's dealing with this, and then some weeks in your life when it rains, it pours. I talked with George. Some of you that are UD basketball fans, George was a star there in 1970. He like helped build the building, George Janke. Um, but he called me this morning. He didn't have my cell, so he left a voice message. And Kim, um, she just had not slept with, with, uh, with Madison being in the hospital, and rightfully so, and was just stressed to the max. And um, so she ended up, her sodiums were way off, and she had a procedure back in 2009 with her brain. Um, and some stuff happened, and she had like she just had to be admitted, and now she's in the ICU, the mother at Miami Valley downtown. So it's just it's a tough time. Um, I'm going to go visit them this afternoon. Um, but George, you can imagine running to Children's and then running over to see your wife at Miami Valley. So I want to take a moment um, and pray for them and uh, pray for complete healing. One thing he didn't he told me is like don't create shock and all like they're on the mend, getting better. Um, but it's still pretty serious because they're both in the ICU. So let me pray for them. God, thank you so much for the Jankies uh, and for Kim and for Madison and for George. Uh, It's no way for Madison to have to spend her summer before school kicks back off. And God, I pray that you would heal her body completely in these uh, coming days, that you would get her off dialysis and, and get her back to her normal self very, very soon and rid her body of, of this, of E. coli and the, and the bacteria. And God, I pray for Kim as well, that there's no surgery that needs to happen on her brain and that um, the blood would dissipate and that, God, she would uh, not need any further procedures and that, God, you would heal her because I know she's so broken, even more so now, uh, because her daughter's over there and she can't go see her. And uh, sometimes in life when it rains, it pours, and when we hit those dark spots that we just sang about, we need you. And we as a church uh, that are here today, we can't do much. 
uh, but we can do something huge for them. We can pray and intercede on their behalf. And God, we just lift them up to you, and we pray that you'd be with them in a special way. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for doing that. It's important. And as you remember over the coming um, days, uh, keep remembering the, the Janky family as they are on the road uh, to recovery with a week they did not expect nor, nor want. So, hey, we're going to be in Psalm 1, and it's one of the, if you, Psalms is one of the most widely read, uh, one of the most well-known um, Old Testament books, uh, because a lot of people will, will read a psalm a day, you know, as they go through the book of Psalms. And Psalms is a collection um, there are there's songs in it, there's poems in the book of Psalms, uh, there's, there's liturgy in the book of Psalms, there's prayers, there's prayers of thanksgiving, there's prayers of lament, uh, there is raw emotion literally on every page of the book of Psalms as it really tells the story of, of, of the history of Israel and their feelings and, and expressing themselves uh, to God. It's an incredible book. Uh, while many of the, the Psalms were, were written by David, over half of them, so you, if you say David wrote it, you know, when somebody asks you on a trivia question, you got a 50-50 chance of being right, so just use that down the road, all right? And then we also know uh, there's five or six other authors that we do know about that have written a Psalm or two, um, and then there's 50-plus Psalms that we don't know. It's unknown who wrote them, and today in Psalm 1, we're going to be in one of those psalms that uh, we are, we're not sure who wrote Psalm 1. Uh, but it's not simply a, a prayer or a poem or a song or lamenting. It is a, it's instruction from God on how to, how to live life. And what we're going to see today is two ways of living life uh, kind of contrasted, right? Uh, compared and contrasted that we can, we can, you can pop the picture up on the screen. We can be a deeply rooted person. Uh, as the oak tree is on the left, if you Google big oak trees, uh, that'll be the first one that comes up this week. So if just wanted you to know that as you go look for big oak trees. It's a deeply rooted, huge oak tree. I mean, it's getting his sustenance from the deepest places. And then we could live life in another way, which often we find ourselves doing spiritually, is just kind of drifting along, just kind of floating along. It's just a roller coaster spiritually and and to walk the straight path would be something we want to do, um, but sometimes we have to admit it's just not happening. So I want those pictures to be in your head as we navigate through Psalm 1, and we'll do our best to, to make sense of it. And if you have questions, email me and we'll talk about it later. Psalm 1, 1 through 6 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, uh, stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That's the blessed life, the psalmist says. This person's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked, the psalmist says. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. And therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This psalmist is talking about if you want to live the best life, you know, you've always heard of the books of the best life now. If you truly want to live like the best life now here on this earth in Christ, in, in, in our Father God, then it starts with us making choices. It starts with us making wise choices that keep us on the straight path and keep us 
uh, focused on God, it is imperative that we choose wisely. Now, most of us think that blessing is just bestowed upon us. Like, if I do something well, well, you know, God's going to fire me a little blessing and sprinkle me with blessing. But we see blessing in this passage tied with the choices that we make. The best Hebrew way of, of saying uh, this particular passage is this, is, 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 is with blessed, is it's the thrill of walking the straight path. It's every day making a choice to be obedient to, to honor, to see to it that, that God is going to be number one in my life if we want to experience the blessed life. That's what he talks about in the first few verses, and then it goes on and shares really the opposite of that, of man, here's where it leads uh, if we're not. And another thing that we learn in this passage is, is with blessed is the one, it really is talking about, if you were to sum up that phrase uh, of what a, maybe even a better translation than NIV says, is it's blessed is the steward. Blessed is the one that, that, that takes care of and, and tends to the, the things that God has blessed you with. Your gifts, your resources, your leadership responsibilities, wherever you're at, uh, your, your family, your children, your marriage, you name it. Blessed is the one that stewards that well because everything that you have and I have it's temporal it's going to fade away it's going to be gone and we are just stewards of the gifts that God has given us the best way I can think of this uh, it would be for when Nat and I when when Knox was born with our children that we're just stewards of the children we'll never forget May 20th 2014 when when Knox is you know comes into the world and then you hold him for the very first time, and many of you parents in here know what that's like. Like, this little human is mine, you know, and, and they are ours to be a steward. Beckham, September 3rd, 2015, comes into the world, and we take them home, and we're thinking, my goodness, what an incredible gift. And then that it's coming even maybe today, soon, that number three is on its way, the gift of, of, of a baby. And here's the deal. We're stewards of, those, of, of our children, they're on loan to us, maybe 18, maybe 20 years, and we'll have an opportunity to, to grow them up. We'll have an opportunity to hopefully do our best grounding them spiritually. Uh, we'll have an opportunity to help them in their choices and their decisions, make choices that honor God and, and, you know, so they don't step on a landmine in life and cause destruction in their life. And the truth is this, is we are simply stewards, and while God has given them to us as a gift, uh, they're his. And we declared that a couple, two, three years back when we had a child, we have a baby dedication for them and family and friends were with us and, and we even declared it there that, you know what, God gave us this great gift but we are, we're simply stewards. And so many of you in here, you can begin to, to point to areas in your life where God has given you an incredible gift and that you are a steward. The psalmist says, blessed is the steward. Blessed is the one who takes that responsibility and runs with it and does their best to honor God with it at all times. Blessed is the steward. Think of the things in your life that God has, has gifted to you and that you are simply a steward to. You know, every gift, every resource, everything on this earth, you're a steward to. The psalmist goes on and it talks about this. It, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or uh, take or sit in the company of mockers. He begins to talk about sin. Like if we get off the straight path, 
uh, and we, it's kind of momentum when it comes to sin, right? This is how sin can work in our life, that all of a sudden we can find ourselves just kind of walking in it. And sin's fun in the moment, and then there's always the, the destruction that comes with it or the consequences that come with it. And we can justify as we're walking through sin that it's okay, nobody's going to know, I'm not hurting anybody, it's my life, I'll do what I want. And then we find ourselves maybe, maybe standing in it, it escalates to the next level. And when we find ourselves standing in sin, it's like we're, we may be getting to the addicted part, where we, 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 once we're walking through it, and we could kind of dart away for a little bit, and I'm good, but now we're standing in it, right? And then it says, if not dealt with, uh, if we keep justifying, we can find ourselves at a place where we're actually sitting in a heap of sin, and the psalmist declares to us, man, blessed is the one who, who doesn't walk in it, who doesn't stand in it, and who does never, never finds themselves at a place where they're actually sitting in it. Sometime back, um, Nat was driving home um, from something and was listening to Focus on the Family, and on the radio was a, was a speaker named Dana Gresh, and you can pop the books up on the screen. We have the one on the left at home. Uh, maybe we'll have the one on the right after this week. I don't know, but just the one on the left for now. Um, it says six ways to keep the good in your boy and six ways to keep the little in your girl. If you want to write those down, you can. Uh, I'm not going to act like I read it because I've never read any of it yet. Just heard some pieces of it. Um, but one of the things that Dana mentioned in this book and, and Nat shared with me is that for an 11-year-old boy, the very first time that they are exposed uh, to... I just blew my, the whole joke. That not, wasn't a joke, but the serious point. The very first time a youngster is introduced to pornography uh, is, is, is an 11 years old for a boy. Another guy after last service said they, they even think stats are saying it's, it's seven years old. So if it's never talked about, if there's never accountability, uh, if it's never prayed about, and it's just this taboo subject that, well, we figure that out on our own, then what can happen to a seven-year-old boy or even an 11-year-old boy is they'll find themselves walking in it not too big of a deal, they're thinking. Friends are. Uh, I can handle this. Nobody knows, you know. And then before long, as they're walking in it, they, they, they begin to get captured by uh, this, this sinful behavior, and they can find themselves standing in it. And then it starts to get a little bit uglier in their life. It starts to begin to affect things going on in their life and relationships in their life, and they learn to conceal things at all times. And then when it gets justified long enough, you can see where it goes. That's why the psalmist it's such a big deal. They find themselves actually sitting in it. And now they're fully in it. Fully addicted. And the Bible actually says there's one sin that they actually sin against the body and it's sexual sin. And, and I, we were a conversation after first service. It's almost like sexual sin has tentacles to it. And it just grabs a hold of so many other areas in our life. So why does the psalmist say, hey man, don't, don't ever, don't walk with it. Don't, don't stand with it and don't sit with it. Why? It's to protect you. It's to keep you living a life of freedom. We often read passages, especially in the Old Testament, maybe even in the New, um, where we feel like, man, the Bible is so restricting, you know? It's just restricted me from doing all of these things. And I would actually argue that, man, the Bible actually allows you to live the maximum life of freedom more than any other way of living because it creates guardrails. And when you do things God's way, you will experience freedom. You'll experience chains being removed from you 
like never before. Some of you have watched this firsthand happen to people. Some of you may have had a season in your life where you experienced, ah, just walking along in this, you know, no big deal. And then you were standing in it, and then it got way over your head, and you were actually sitting in it. Man, the psalmist is so right. The wicked will chase after this route so often. And the question I want to ask is you read through Scripture. Scripture is not just for us to, uh, you know, just a good book to read through. You begin to ask questions of Scripture and you begin to let Scripture ask questions of your heart, to ask motives of your heart. And maybe the question we could ask after just reading this one little passage is where do you find yourself walking today that may be a little bit contrary to God's Word? That if not careful, It could lead to temptation. Maybe it's an environment. Maybe it's with a certain group of people. Maybe it's when you're tired. Maybe it's when you're hungry. Maybe it's when you're stressed. And all of a sudden you're walking into something and maybe you know exactly what it is today. What if today was a line in the sand day? Got the little marker out and you do a line in the sand, July 15, 2018. I'm turning and I'm repenting and I'm running from that. Maybe where are you standing as a pillar today that it's even escalated from just walking and now you're actually standing in it. Kind of feel like your feet are sticking a little bit. You're not quite sure how you're going to get out of it. Or maybe the ugliest one is is where you're actually, you're sitting in it. And you feel like it is so over your head. You are trapped, you're stuck, and you know that it's contrary to God's word and to his heart. And today's a day you want to repent and turn from that. Man, walking the straight path, experiencing all that God has for us, starts with being obedient to Him and to His Word. That's why the psalmist says the straight path, because what our enemy loves to do, if he can get you off this a little bit, he's the great distractor. That's what our enemy is. He's the one that will begin to give you subtle lies so that you will just, ah, just a little bit. And then, it, you ever remember that song? It's probably 10, 12 years ago um, with Casting Crowns talking about the slow fade. You probably have heard that song. That's what sin is. And you begin to walk, and then you begin to stand, and you begin to sit, and you just kind of slow fade into it, and you get off course. How many of you fly regularly, somewhat regularly? You're on an airplane, you're flying around the world. Uh, one of the things with airplanes is this is that uh, if you get off course, it's not good. And I did some math this week, and my math, I was my worst subject in school. I, I don't even know how I've passed math. I think somebody helped me, but I got through math. Um, so if it's off, you can fix it after. But uh, if you were to fly just one degree off, for every 60 miles you fly in the air, you'll be, for every mile, you'll be 92 feet off your target. So say this week you went and hopped on an airplane, and you're going to go from uh, Dayton to Miami. Uh, and I don't know this off the top of my head. I looked it up. It's 1,174 miles to get down there. And say you hopped on the airplane, and, and they began to, to fly to Miami, and, 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 and every uh, mile you begin to, to fly, it's a slow fade, right? You're going to keep f- falling out further. By the time you got to Miami, you would have faded so much off course, just being one degree, that you would have missed your landing target by 20 miles. Now, if you were to land in Miami and you're 20 miles off the landing strip, where are you probably heading? Probably to the ocean, right? Or like some water or a place you don't want to be uh, is where you're heading. And 
every airplane pilot knows that. I talked with one after last service, and, and I, you, you were to ask them the question, when's the last time you flew for a sustained amount of time one degree off your landing target? And they would say never. Why? Because they want to live. I mean, they would never fly at one degree off, and yet our tolerance spiritually and with sin is we'll fly one degree off for a whole season of life. We'll fly three degrees off or five degrees off. It's not a big deal. The landing target's right there. I'm just right here. It's not hurting anybody. We can become the great justifier. Not a big deal. This is it. We make deals with God. You ever made a deal with God? God, it's the last time. <laughs> not going to do it again. It's okay. It's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting my family. And you know what I've always thought uh, to be true is, is usually the path uh, to destruction is also a slow fade. When we see the bombshell happen, it's not usually because it's just that day something went down. It's usually a whole bunch of choices off the straight path that God intended that leads us to that, to that place. The straight path is so important. He begins to go, he goes on in verse 2, and, and the writer of Psalms not only says, hey, man, this is such a big deal that we get this. We can't be tolerant of even being a degree off. But he doesn't leave us there. The psalmist gives us some thoughts of how can we get on the straight path? How can we keep our eyes fixed on the Creator? And in verse 2, it says, But those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on His law day and night. The word meditate, the actual language, is to take great pleasure in. To take great pleasure in God's Word. And for the group of people back then during this time, they would have, many of them would, would be memorizing the, the Torah, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books. They would, have, they would have known it frontwards and backwards for teenagers in the room. And, and maybe you're a parent of a teenager, and I was never doing this, so I'm not sharing this, that you're doing a bad job. Most teenagers during this time had it memorized. The first five books of the Bible, that at six years old, uh, they would send their, their, their young children to the rabbi, to the synagogue. And they would be taught the first five books, to, be, to memorize the first five books of the Bible. And the rabbi would say, hey, put your hand out. So the little kid would put his hand out there. And, and then the rabbi would pour honey on the, on the, on the kid's hand. And, and they would tell the kid, hey, taste it. Taste it. And, and the rabbi would ask the question, what is it, what's it taste like? And the kid would always respond, it's It's sweet. And the rabbi would let that child know, don't ever forget that the Word of God, it is sweet. It is sweet. Psalm 119, 103, we'll pop it up on the screen. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. This question's a tough one because I, I know I, don't, I can't give it a resounding yes. How many of you would say right now in your life that this this is the sweetest thing in your life. That God's Word is the sweetest thing in your life. Have you ever had days or moments, this is a challenge for me to figure out how to do this myself, where you just want to sit and hear from God? When is the last time you heard from God? When's the last time you cracked this open and a revelation of what God wanted to share to you or reveal to you was was it, it happened. That's what the psalmist is talking about, that I'm going I'm to meditate on God's Word day and night. Put your hand out. It's, 
It's sweet. Sweeter than honey on your mouth. What a challenge for us today to think about. And I guess I have to ask you the question is, how many of you would say that right now you're delighting in God's Word? The psalmist knew probably this was going to be a great challenge for we uh, Christ followers. That it's so hard to walk the straight path, so he gave us a road map how to do it. I think it's why it's Psalm 1, so we could be grounded in this. And to learn to be stewards of the things that God has so richly gifted us and, and blessed us with. With, that, with a warning, be careful. Don't walk, don't stand, don't sit in a heap of sin. You know, the, the Torah during this time, it was known, the first five was, was known as, as this, is that I am the way, the truth, and the life. They would have understood that like breathing uh, and connecting that with the first five books of the Bible. It's why the religious leaders uh, were so mad and were so frustrated at Jesus when he came along. And what did he say in John 14, verse 6? Uh, he made a, re- a huge statement. And he said, no, 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 I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the Torah in flesh. And I have come that you may follow, you may follow me. We're to be stewards of God's word. We're to meditate it, meditate on it day and night. You know, when we think of meditating, we often think we're going to sit Indian style in your room and stare at a wall and start humming, you know, something weird. But meditating the scripture looks like this, and I mentioned it earlier. Meditating on the Scripture is you simply asking questions of Scripture when you read it. Meditating on Scripture is is Scripture asking your heart questions when it's examining your heart. That's why communion every every month, first Sunday of the month, we talk about that. Because it's about examining yourself before you go to the Lord's Supper. And I know I've mentioned this before as well in the past, that I bet some of our worst decisions... Some of our ugliest moments in life where we were just doing everything that God said don't do, right? That if we would have been grounded in, if we would have been meditating on, if we would have been delighting at all in God's Word, allowing Him to examine my heart, uh, there's a pretty good chance. We know that for a fact. There's a pretty good chance we wouldn't have gone down that path. It is so important. It's a straight path. It's It's a daily commitment to stay connected to the Father. So what would it look like this week for you to find some time, some quiet time with just you and God? When's the last time you asked God truly, God, would you speak to me today? Would you reveal yourself to me today? Would you show me yourself today through your word? You know that people during this time as well, um, as they're memorizing the Torah, as they're memorizing all these books in the Bible, they, they, they had to. Why? Because they weren't readily available. Uh, they probably have more Bibles in this room than we do people in the pews and all over this place. And they had to memorize it. They had to meditate on it. They had to study because they didn't have one. The rich people did or only it was selected for a few people. And today we come up with excuses so often with the Bible probably more readily available than any other generation in history, whether it be on your phone, on here, on the computer, you name it, they'll read it to you, for goodness sakes, on here. And yet we said, I don't have time. Hey, watch this. Did you think about, we got to go here. I mean, we, we have a list, and I'm as guilty as you are as well. And we find our, our sustenance ultimately from things other than God's Word. What's it say when we meditate on God's Word? What are what are uh, some attributes of that? What will we look like? Here's what it says. 
It says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Maybe another great question to reflect on, examine in this passage is, where are you planting yourself? Where are you getting sustenance for everyday living? For everyday living with people and your family and, and people around you, where are you getting your sustenance? Because we get it from every, all kinds of places. People's opinions. We get it from media, from social media. We get it from our job. We get it from money. We get it from you name it. So many things. We look for sustenance only to find the well, the well dry. It's so important where we plant ourselves. It's so important that we meditate on the Scriptures day and night. And I can guarantee you this, that if you will crack this open and read it every single day, every single week, that our God will meet you where you are and He will speak to you. Now, it might not be some revolutionary thing where you're going to hop up on the stage next week and shout out a testimony. It might be. There's going to be days where you don't want to, just like going to the gym, you're just like, I don't want to go to the gym. You're going to be like, I don't want to read the Bible. You know, you're going to have those days that come and go. You're going to have moments where you just feel like, I don't know if I can do it one more day. But I can guarantee that our God, there's a cumulative value to every day finding some time with the Father. Don't take my word for it. Take Psalm 1's word for it. That when we meditate on God's word day and night, we'll be like this monstrous oak tree from Google Images that has roots that go deep. And it'll show. And you know one of the ways it shows is, is it comes up, it creeps in this way, is when we hit a tough spot in life. Because when we hit tough spots in life, we want to fold, we want to point at somebody else, we want to make up excuses, we want to blame God. But in those moments when we're one of those firmly rooted trees, uh, we, we say, God, you're good. God, you can be trusted. This seems so ridiculous to the world that I'm trusting you in the midst of this. But God, I give this all to you because I know you're a good God. I know you're the giver of every good thing. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can be trusted. Are you there? Are you like the giant oak tree? Are you like tumbleweed just kind of floating through life, hoping nothing bad comes my way, just good things, I need them, you know? Where are you today? What would it look like, church, to have the body of Christ hungry for God's Word? Let me ask a crazy question. What would it look like for 100% of CCCers to pick this open and read it every day, begging and longing to hear from the Most High God? I say look out, because God will do something in a movement that's hungry for His Word Man, over. He loves people that delight in His Word. So find some time this week. Because you're it. You're the image bearer of Jesus this week to Centerville. You're the image bearer of Jesus this week at the doctor's office, at the base, in a birthing room. I don't know if he'll be there or not. So many places we are Jesus to the world. We are the light to the world. And we will never live that out better than when we are grounded in this. Take it from Psalm 1 and the unknown writer. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Psalm 1. Blessed is the steward. It's the thrill of living the straight path. 
God, help us to figure that out. And the place we're going to figure it out and become better at is by daily spending time in your word. God, we all want to be the big oak tree with the roots run deep that when the storms of life come, it doesn't matter because a big oak tree doesn't move. It stands still. It's rooted. Its sustenance is in you and you alone. And God, for the one in here today that feels like they're tumbleweed, they're just kind of drifting and floating and, and blowing through life. Whichever way the wind's going, that's which way they're heading that day. God, I pray today would be a, would be a moment where they would draw a line in the sand and say, God, I'm coming back to you today. July 15, 2018, from this day forward, my life's not going to be the same because I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust in the Creator. And then God, finally, for the one that may be finding themselves walking in something that they know is not of you, they know it breaks your heart. Maybe it's moved beyond walking. They're actually standing in it now. Maybe they've justified it all the way to they're actually sitting in it. God, even if there's one in this room that is, has a repentant heart, man, the heaven is smiling because you long for us to walk the straight path. And God, I help you encourage that person today in these coming moments that they need to come forward and pray. Anybody needs to come forward and pray that God, you are readily available and waiting on them. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for grace because we need it desperately. And it's your name we pray. Amen.